The title of our lesson is Jesus, the Apostle and High Priest of our Confession, which is interesting language in Scripture, and we're going to uh, search this out a little bit and see what, see what this refers to. And as we do, I will encourage you, if you want to go to ahaslides.com and join us uh, for, during the live presentation of this, uh, go to ahaslides.com slash LQ9XG. We have a few people have joined us there. I'll leave that up just for another moment. Uh, we're going through Hebrews. I don't anticipate to do uh, doing a, a, a lesson on every single chapter, but we're these these first couple of chapters have a lot of information in them that are uh, very important to the entirety of the lesson and the book, and they very much establish the theme of the book. And so we're going to continue to look at these first couple of chapters a little more thoroughly. This being our third lesson uh, from Hebrews and our third chapter. So this lesson, Jesus, the Apostle and High Priest of our Confession. As we get into this, I want to uh, give you a question that you may give input to. Who are the greatest leaders the world has ever known? You have uh, some time here to submit up to three answers. You can, uh, you can input who you will, who you like. The greatest leaders the world has ever known. Who would you say? Who is it, in your opinion, is one of the greatest leaders or some of the greatest leaders the world has ever known? We are, uh, we are rather skewed, especially being in a worship service might uh, change our thinking. I should have said outside of Jesus. I really I should have mentioned that one, but that's okay. You've got opportunity to, to put in some other ones, and some are coming. So the greatest leaders the world has ever known. So we have some answers coming in, Jesus probably being the most submitted one. We also have Moses and the Holy Spirit, very interesting answer there, and Paul. Those are all related to who we are as Christians and the setting that we find ourselves in today. We have some putting in here um, as they move around on me a little bit. Abe Lincoln. We also have Abraham. We have Caesar. And George Washington was there. And we have Trump. So we are grateful for those answers and those considerations. So, as we think about this, you know, here we are in, the, in this setting. If, you, if we had asked this outside of a setting to just a, a crowd from the street, who is the greatest leader the world has ever known, the answer is probably would come up a little bit differently, wouldn't they? But I would agree with you as you submit Jesus coming in as the number one answer for for our uh, little submission today the greatest leader that's ever been right we certainly know that and we're going to talk a little bit about why he was the greatest leader so some of these other folks um paul and the holy spirit and the holy spirit's leading in our lives that's a the wonderful answer there uh, the apostle paul who single-handedly took the gospel to the entire world what a wonderful leader Moses is certainly one of the great leaders, and Scripture mentions him today as a leader. He's in a consideration for us today. Caesar, Abe Lincoln, Abraham, and George Washington, 
Um, some of those being some of the world's leaders and some of our nation's leaders. Two of the greatest presidents are listed there. Trump also listed here. Um, and some of us would say one of the world's, one of our country's greatest leaders, and some of us would then scoff and say, are you kidding me? So he is a most controversial of people, but certainly a leader. Uh, so, and Abraham was the other one from Scripture who was submitted. I'm going to ask you one more question. This next question, you're going to get an opportunity to submit only one answer. So pick it wisely. And you may submit to us, who is, at the, before Jesus came uh, to earth, who do you think the Jews would have said is the greatest leader of all time? So take Jesus out of the mix. The Jews at the time of Christ, or before Christ, who would they have said? I'm interested in who before the time of Christ, who would the Jews have said is the greatest leader of all time? So we have Moses, we have the high priest, we have King David, we have God, um, we have um, Abraham. So those are, and if anybody else wants to submit, I'll give you another second to do so. So who do you think? Isn't this an interesting question? Who would the Jews have answered and said was the greatest leader of the, and, and I, some of those answers coming up, they get... Um, edited a little bit, um, or edited out, I will say, and that's why the asterisks come up. So if you accidentally submitted a wrong word or something, it might not recognize and it might take it out. I don't know how aha slides work. but So here it is. We have Moses showing up the biggest, so that got the most answers. We also have Abraham, the high priest, Elijah. And the idea of the high priest, if you think about it, during any particular time, any particular time period, they probably, if they didn't have some great leader like Samson, who would be the next one in line? They would go to the high priest was always, no matter who it was, the high priest was always looked to as the greatest leader. We have Elijah listed, King David, and we have God. So uh, God being an interesting answer, that, uh, that makes me kind of back up and say, well, you know, I, I think, uh, I, I'll actually say this. I think if you ask the Jews, I think they would have, who, would, who was the greatest leader of all time? I think they would have come up with this. For Jews, Moses was the great deliverer. He was the great leader of all time. And they were looking for someone to come along like him, to be a great leader like him, another prophet like him. And if you had asked the Jew then and said, probably, well, what about God? Oh, well, of course, he's our greatest leader. They'd probably say that. There's no doubt. But thinking about the greatest leader here on this earth, uh, a leader from God, they would, they would say, I think without a doubt, they would look to Moses. They would look to Moses. So he's going to be mentioned in the reading today. He's the greatest leader of all time for the Jews. But would they recognize the one who comes along who is like Moses, a prophet like Moses, who would lead the people? And that's why this letter of Hebrews is being written. Were the Jews going to recognize then the one who is greater than Moses? And that is the topic of our lesson today. Because great leaders, they kind of come and go. Um, and Moses impacted the world in a great way. And we kind of think about how 
these people impacted the world, that's probably why we chose somebody as a particular leader, why we look up to them as a leader. Well, there is one person who walked on this earth who has impacted this world like no other. And uh, that's where our brother Jonathan Jonathan Barnes would say, yeah, just ask me what, what year it is, you know, and he'd, he'd say, based upon, you know, timeline is based upon Jesus Christ, and he has affected all time, you know, and so he is the greatest leader who has ever been, he is the very son of God, but we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 3 and look here, Hebrews chapter 3, let me go ahead and pause for a second and read verses 1 through 6 for us again, so we can get this in the mind frame. Um, and I will say that, um, that as you think about uh, Jesus coming down here to this earth, um, he was put under the angels for a moment. Um, and ver- look at verse number 9 of chapter 2 for a second. Just to kind of set the stage for this. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 it says, But we do see him who was made for a little while, Lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Now there's an interesting, um, and this was mentioned in our study and preparation for this sermon, there's an interesting passage about Moses is that um, in the Old Testament, in the writings of Moses, the law of Moses, it it mentions that Moses was the most humble person in the world, is that the my? I can't. I'm not phrasing it right. But so the the idea of Moses is he was very very humble. Nobody could outdo him in humility. He always put others above himself. He served God above any time that he would serve himself. He was very humble. But now this passage, I think you could almost say it's already kind of bringing us towards the thought of his his humility is so great that he's even more humble than Moses. Moses didn't die, um, taste death for everyone. Moses died, but he didn't do it for everyone. So in other words, Jesus, whoever this, is, this passage is talking about, him who was made lower than the angels and lowered himself even to the point of death on a cross, he is the great leader. So I think we're already being led into in that, in that particular verse, possibly being led into think that there's a leader who has outdone Moses. He is more humble than Moses. So chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, just by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are. If we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. 
So have Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to consider a comparison of these two great leaders for the Jews. And the question is going to be who are, and particularly to, written to the Hebrews, it's, he's telling them, who are you going to hold fast to? You're going to hold on to Moses as the greatest, or are you going to turn to Jesus? So Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, the first question is who is being addressed? And this is a humbling thought for us. It says, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling. Do you hear this? These are, these are folks who have already, they're, they're brethren. These are ones who are partakers of the heavenly calling. These are ones who are believers in Jesus. Um, it's, these are, are ones who are followers of Christ. They already know him. And there's going to be absolute proof of this in the latter part of this verse. Because it mentions, as it says, as you, con- as you continue reading, it says, Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. So once we connect this idea of our confession to this idea of holy brethren and partakers of a heavenly calling, we're called to, to follow after Christ. We're called to the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of, of, um, of God. We are following Christ. This is written to believers, people who have confessed the name of Jesus and are claiming to follow in his steps. Disciples. And as you think about that, and then we continue to read on, it's very humbling because the final thought is going to be you're going to be continue to be the house of God if you hold fast to him. And the implication is if you don't hold fast to him, then you are no longer going to be a part of God's house. All right, so let's continue. Chapter 3, verse 1, our other questions pertaining to this verse is, how is Jesus an apostle? And how is Jesus a high priest? And what is our confession? And what are we to do with Jesus? So first of all, the first two things. What is, this references Jesus, the apostle. When we think of apostle, we think of the 12 apostles. One of them even betrayed the one that he was following. So what is an apostle? And as it says here, it's one sent. That's very literally what an apostle means. Just you look up the, the, the Greek and it just means one sent. One sent. So it's a little bit different, but they're very closely related to um, one who is a messenger. You know, if somebody is sent, that means they've got a task or they've got a message to deliver. And the word that is uh, translated from messenger is angel. So it's very closely to, to the word or the thought of angel. Angel means messenger. And here apostle means one sent. So this is one sent. Well, Jesus was sent from God, right? And who was he sent to? He was sent to us. This takes us back to chapter 1, verse number 1. God, after he spoke long ago in the fathers, to the fathers, in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. So Christ was sent. He was appointed to come and speak. Jesus is the apostle. He is the one who delivers the message, and he is the exact representation of God. He was sent to teach us about God. He was sent to show us God. He is God in the flesh. So Jesus 
Um, it's strange to us almost to call him an apostle because we think of the apostles as being the ones following him. But Jesus is the apostle. He's the one who was sent. He's also a high priest. Well, what's a high priest? The priests, their duty was to help people be right with God. They would teach the people how to live for God, and they would also uh, do particular things and help them with the sacrifices. They would always, were always focused on getting the people right with God. So you have Jesus who came down. He was sent down here to us, and then he also acts as the high priest to work in, as a mediator in the opposite way to get us right with God. So God, he comes down here to represent God and then to get us right with God. So that is how this works. Jesus, he is a very important uh, person. And in the, in the times past, God spoke through prophets, but now God sent his own son. And we're going to see that point in just a minute. God sent his son, Hebrews chapter 1, he sent his son to talk to us, to teach us. And so he is that apostle, he is the one, and he also acts as a high priest to get us right with God. All right, now, um, this idea of our confession, well, we asked how is he a high priest, um, how is he an apostle, and then the last question there is what is um, what is our confession? And actually, yes, what is the confession and what are we to do with Jesus? First of all, our confession. We acknowledge when we come to Christ, there's a, there are curtains behind me, right? We know behind the curtains are, it's a, it's a tub of water, a place where people can be immersed and dipped and brought back up. When we do that, when we are immersed into Christ, before we do that, we acknowledge Jesus as the one sent to us, the very Son of God, Jesus is the Son of God, and that he came here to die on the cross to save us from our sins. So we acknowledge Jesus as the one sent, don't we, in our confession. Now we acknowledge him as being sent to us. He's the Son of God. He came down here and he died. He was sent. And so, but he was also doing that not just to die for no reason but he was he died for us to make us right with god we can't save ourselves we call upon him as a savior so we acknowledge in our confession just in and there's no there there's different words you can confess but it's always about these basic things that jesus came from god he was the very son of god he died on the cross to save us from our sins so that someday we can go to heaven that's the acknowledgement that's the good news that's what we acknowledge when we're immersed into Christ. And I'd encourage you to read Romans 10, uh, chapter 8 through 13. If you want to look there later, that'd be great. The idea of confessing, it's acknowledging Jesus as Lord. And even Jesus himself said, um, if you don't acknowledge me before men, then I won't acknowledge you before my Father. I won't confess you before my Father. So we must confess Christ before men. And it's something we do initially, and it's something we continue to do in our lives. Uh, but the great and the good confession that we make is, is at our initial uh, immersion into Christ. That is our confession of faith. So in our confession, we do all those things. But, and the second part of that question is, what are we to do with Jesus 
According to this verse, I'm just sticking with chapter 3, verse 1. What does it say we're to do with Jesus? Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. So, it's kind of neat that somebody mentioned in our slide a little while ago, the greatest leader in Israel was the high priest, well, here is the high priest, the high priest, greater than any other high priest, Jesus Christ. And talk about the one sent. He talked in, uh, you know, God spoke to his people through prophets and so forth, but now he has sent his son. According to Hebrews chapter one, he sent his son. So consider this great Great, great leader. And he's not just any old leader. Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now this is obvious stuff though for Christians, right? Isn't this interesting to have to point out that this is written for Christians? And so it's good for us today to pause and consider Jesus. And that's what we're going to be doing here Consider Jesus that we've established as the apostle and high priest. So here, as we get to, you know, thinking about the, the Jews being written to, in particular Jewish believers, who are two examples of faithfulness? Well, as you look at verse number two, it says, he was faithful to him. So in other words, it's a little vague in the, in the New American Standard, but perhaps in your newer translations, it might have it a little more Specific, But this would be speaking, Jesus was faithful to God who appointed him. As Moses, was all, as Moses also was in all his house, in all of God's house. And the context is going to establish that is true. So God's, Moses was sent to take care of God's house at one point in time. God's people. He led God's people. He led God's house out of captivity in Egypt. That's what Moses did. Well, there was somebody else who has been faithful. Moses was faithful to that task. But Jesus was also faithful. So here's two examples of, of faithfulness. Two examples of great leaders. So we have Jesus and we have Moses who were um, over God's house. Chapter 3, verse 3, the question comes, who has more glory? Okay, so that's the question. Well, in verse 3, it makes it clear. It says, for he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. So the answer comes in that verse, Jesus has more glory. And the comparison is, by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. So who's greater, the house or the one, the mind who put it together and was able to design it and build it? The, the mind that draws it up and can then create even greater things, that's what's the greatest, that's what deserves most, the most glory. The builder of a house is greater than the house itself. I think sometimes in the States... Um, because of our wealth and because of our, we just, we love things. And it's just people in, in general, but we just have so much stuff. I think we almost look at the stuff and think it's greater than the designer. We love stuff, but we got to remember the designer, the creator is greater than the stuff. Okay. So who has more glory? 
Obviously, Jesus has more glory. He has more glory than Moses. Should the created thing receive more glory than the one who created it? Never. It should not. The designer, the builder, has more glory, more honor than the creator. In verse 3, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 4 then says, For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. The builder of all things is God. Now, I said, uh, you look on my slide and it says, who built all things? And I put Jesus. Oh, but it doesn't say that in the scripture, does it? Chapter 3, verse 4 doesn't say that, Brother Eric. It says, the builder of all things is God. Well, you look back to chapter 1, verse 2. It says, in these last days, uh, speaking of God, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also... He made the world. So in other words, the writer of Hebrews is saying that Jesus is God. The same verse where he said that the Son has spoken. He says the Son has created all things. And now he's saying God made all things. God built all things. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the one who built all things. Who's going to deserve more glory? Moses or Jesus? You know, and you're talking to, a, you know, this is being written to a group of people, the greatest leader they've been taught all through their lives. The greatest leader is Moses, Moses, Moses. And there are some others that they love dearly too. You mentioned them. But Moses was the deliverer. And now Jesus is greater. He's being told there, they have to remember Jesus is greater. They're used to following the law of Moses, doing everything that Moses wrote down. That was their whole life. That was their whole identity, doing what Moses told them to do, following it as best they could. And now they have to remember that there is someone greater than that. Jesus Christ, the very Son of God who tasted death for us all. Let's keep moving. Chapter 3, verse 5. It basically says that Moses was faithful over God's house, over God's people, as a servant. You think about a household, and they've got a family there, and they have a servant who's in charge of everything. Who's the most important? Who has the most honor? The servant or the family that he serves? The family. The, the, the people that live there. The people that that have hired the servant, who, who direct the servant and what they do. He, Moses was a faithful servant over God's household. But according to chapter 3, verse number 6, but Christ was faithful as a son over his house. Christ was faithful as a son. The son is higher than a servant. Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. So let me read both of those verses together, and I'm going to finish all the way to the end of verse 6 because we have to continue to talk about verse number 6. It says, Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. Now who came to speak later? Jesus. So Moses was just getting us ready for Jesus to come so we could listen to Jesus when Jesus speaks. Verse 6, But Christ was faithful... 
as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. So what house did Christ build? So Jesus came here, the very Son of God, not a servant, but the Son. He came to build something. Just as He built all of this entire world and we're amazed by it, we should almost so, also be struck by the fact that He built us as a house. Us as a house. We're built up together. Jesus being the foundation and then us being built up upon it. And that house is continuing to be built by us who are gathered here in this building and us who are listening right now online. We're all part of God's house. And churches today who are gathering throughout this world, churches to the east of us who got up earlier in the day probably and remembered to gathered around this table to remember Jesus Christ. And now we're gathered together simultaneously while they're Churches everywhere are gathered in the states and all. And then later on, churches, this day is just filled with people who are part of God's house who gather to remember Jesus. And all the faithful ones, every Sunday, we gather around this table and we remember Christ with the taking of the bread and the cup. We are that house. Christ built us as his house and we should be in awe of that house. Just as we're in all of creation, it shows us Christ. Now, now Christ's people who come together in truth and love, filled with grace towards one another and focusing on all the things of Christ and seeking to follow after him. That is an amazing, wonderful thing. And that is how Christ has impacted the world. That's how he is a greater leader than any other leader who has ever been because He has impacted the world one person at a time and changed their lives so that they would know God and be right with him and live a life of love and service. Christ built us as his house. Now that's neat. That's pretty good. It's pretty exciting. But then we have to have this word, if. And this is why the author of Hebrews is writing. Because, man, they need warned. They're already starting down this path. We've already talked about this, this drifting away, chapter 2, verse 1. For this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard. In other words, what we know about Jesus. So that we do not drift away from it. Folks, you're drifting. And then in chapter 3, he says, you're the house. The very house of God that Christ has built. If. We hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. Hold fast. Hold fast. It's easy to drift. We must hold fast. So that makes us wonder. That initial thought was that in chapter 3 verse 1 as you think about this the apostle the great apostle the one apostle the high priest the high priest when you really consider him consider Jesus think about Jesus are you really considering him are you really thinking about him 
He was faithful. That's the point of this scripture. Verse number two, he was faithful. He was faithful so much that he actually endured death for us. He experienced death on the cross for us. The question is, are you faithful? He was faithful, so you better remain faithful. Hold fast. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 14. Listen to this. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. He says it again, let us hold fast our confession. Holding fast, connected to this idea of the confession. Jesus Christ is the Son of God who saved me from my sins and I need Him. Hold fast to that confession. Hebrews chapter 10, a few pages later, he does not let go of this thought. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope Without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And he continues on from there. Again, faithfulness connected with holding fast. Not letting go of what we once spoke when we got dipped into the waters and saying we're going to live for Jesus forever because he is the only way. You've got to hold fast to that. You've got to keep considering Jesus. That's why it makes sense that we gather every Sunday and we... We, we come to the table and we partake of the emblems that remind us of Jesus. And when we partake of them, this is, it's like we got in our hands the body and the blood of Jesus, reminded of what he gave up for us because he loved us so. And we think of his faithfulness and it draws us to be a faithful follower of him. If you drink those emblems and you're not thinking about what he has done for you, you eateth and drinketh damnation unto yourself. You are not holding fast. You are not considering Jesus. Let us hold fast. Let us think about that confession. Let us think about Jesus and may we do it ever more and more. Let us know the truth and believe in him. The challenge today is this. Um, This is based upon the fact of a couple years ago, The challenge was to set a timer on your phone or have some particular time in the day, but uh, to to remember uh, that when it goes off, that you'd remind yourself of something. Does anybody remember that reminder? Maybe a couple. And that was based upon a little card that a young man wrote that said, my favorite part of the Bible is when Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins. That's our confession. Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You can add just a little bit, and it takes on just a little bit more meaning. But Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, died on the cross to save me from my sins. That's our confession. I need Him. If I have any hope of getting to heaven, it is all in Him and only in Him. And I've got to hold on to Him. Hold fast to that confession. So my challenge to you now is to set a daily reminder, and you might already have that reminder set. So it's just going to take on a little bit more meaning for you now, perhaps, but set a daily reminder to consider the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, sent to die for us. Let us be inspired to faithfulness to him. Be inspired, that's maybe what I should say, as you think about that, as your timer goes off, 
be inspired to faithfulness to him. Don't just remember, hey, he did a good job. It should be, oh man, he was faithful to the task and he did something that I can't even imagine what he did. So if he could do that, then I'm going to be faithful to him. What he has asked me to do is nothing compared to what he has done for me. I'm going to live for the one who died for me. Be inspired, live inspired, be faithful. Hold fast to that confession and live it out in your life. And if you're not a Christian, you've never given your life to Jesus. The invitation is to you today to make that good confession, to make the confession of faith. Give your life to Jesus. When you go in that water, when you're immersed into Christ, you're giving up your own life and saying, I'm going to live for Jesus. He's the greatest leader who's ever lived. He is filled with love. He is filled with truth. And I need that. He's the only way for me to have hope of going to heaven. Make that confession. Be immersed into Jesus. Be filled with faith, knowing this is true and it is the way. And you can live for him all of your life. And we're going to, as a church, we help each other hold fast to that confession, don't we? We help us live out our lives, our lives of repentance, that we're never going back to that old life. We're going to live for Jesus every day. We're going to be faithful. So that invitation is open to you all. And I hope that this sermon has served well to lead up to, about, to what we're about to do. And that's to remember Jesus. So if you need to respond somehow, some way, make sure you do it today. Now let us prepare our minds and our thoughts for the Lord's Supper.